At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a culture filled with promises for a better life, deeper satisfaction, and greater purpose, but how do we know which is right? We invite you to join us for Smoke and Mirrors, deciphering truth in a world of truths, where we'll look to scripture to expose the illusions of our culture, and together, hold fast to a better answer, God's. Amen. All right, kids, this is the time for you to head next door for an amazing time with uh, people who have dedicated their lives to raising up a godly generation. Yeah, that's what I like. So um, this is the first time a pulpit's ever been too short. <laughs> All right, there we go. Now it's too high. You know the glasses, the age, it's a, it's a thing. So my voice is very deep, okay, today. So please expect a heavy word from God. All right, here we go. Father, I pray that you pour out today among us. Your word is so good. It is awesome. It is what we need to hear today. You are generous. Amen. Everybody say, God is generous. God is generous. Oh my gosh. That is so powerful in and of itself. I have to ask you a question. With as generous as God is, what does it take for you to be successful? Oh, maybe I should ask it another way. How much is enough? Raise your hand if you think you have enough. Let me see your hands. Do you have enough? Now raise your hand if you want more. Who wants more? Yeah. Now I didn't ask what do you want more of because today we're looking at the book of Ecclesiastes and he is looking at materialism and there's something within us that craves more. You know, Little League, my son played uh, a lot of variety of sports, right? And so when you win at Little League and the coach says, it's not about winning, it's just about having fun. But it's more fun to win, right? So when you win, the next thing you look at is, is going to the travel league. I have, a, I have a granddaughter who's traveled all over the United States in a travel league. And when you win that, then there's the next level, and there's the next level. And it just doesn't stop, right? It just keeps going on and on and on. My first car, oh no, my second car, my first car got stolen and um, I just felt like it had been violated by some man and I couldn't have her back. So we sold it. And I ended up with a 1965 Ford Falcon. It was a four-door. I mean, that is like not a hot car. It was like so stinking ugly. I am not kidding. So I thought, okay, okay. I got to be cool, right? Like I'm in the cars. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep my ugly car and I'm going to take the engine out and I'm going to fix that engine. It was a six-cylinder. In those days, six-cylinders were like puddle jumpers, you know. So I took the engine out. I took the heads off. I ground the heads, right? Yeah. And I put them back on so I get more compression. Now, I don't know how many horsepower the car had, but when I was done, in my mind, all of that work made my car a little bit better. There's only one problem. 
There were other cars on the road, obviously, that were a lot faster, a lot cooler. So, you know, and today, today, there are so many cars out there that I actually covet. I have this, this passion. That the other day, Chris and I came out of a restaurant, and there it was, tempting me. Lust arose in my heart. I don't remember what it was. Something like a BMW. Oh, it's a Jaguar. It's a Jaguar. And all I did was look at her face. And her grill was there, and her two eyes, her headlights, were staring at me. I swear she said, I love you. And it was like, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going there with her, right? I mean, the curves. It was unbelievable. I walked away. Do I have a problem? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we all have problems. You know, it's a great place to start. Enough is enough, right? My parents used to always say that when we were being crazy. Enough is enough. We have this want. We have this insatiable desire. We are driven to possess, to own, and to become something. We look for friendships. We look for stuff. We look for position. We look for power. We look to money and material things to make us feel like we've arrived. And it's a false sense of identity. Let's take a look at, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes 2. I couldn't sing this morning because of my voice. So all the excitement that I have for worshiping God this morning is all like pent up. So if I get all screechy by the end, try to ignore that because it's like, it's got to come out here somehow, okay? Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, Solomon says, So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I did not keep uh, from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. Whatever I wanted, I went after it. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil. In other words, he's toiling after pleasure. It's work. And this was my reward for all my toil. When I considered all that my hands had done and the toil had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and striving after wind. And there was nothing, nothing to be gained under the sun. Right after high school, I went to college. I'm going to be a teacher. Actually, I filled out the application wrong, and I uh, already spent all my tuition money, which I had to pay for myself, and found out they were turning us into teachers. It was either fine arts or art education. Fine sounded too uppity. I thought, I'll just get an education. Found mm -hmm. out turning us into teachers, so I just stuck with it. But after a year into teaching, it was actually three years into teaching elementary art, I was like, what am I doing? Everything I do, these kids take home the picture. Look, Mommy. Mommy says, oh, that's beautiful, right? She puts it on the refrigerator, a couple of magnets. Next week, the kid comes home. Look, Mommy. She takes the old one down throws it in the garbage. And I'm thinking, everything I'm doing is going in the garbage. And it really bothered me. And I began to think, what am I doing 
with my life. It's going in a garbage can. So I thought, I'm going to teach truth. I'll teach what is true. What's true? What, what's true? Two and two is four. Now, I'm not teaching math. That's true, but I'm not going to do that. And so I, I, I began, I was like 24 years old, and I'm like searching God. You know, what am I going to do? I stand in front of people every day. What does it matter? It seemed like it was all nothing but vanity. And the pay wasn't that good. $8,400 a year when I started teaching, right? So now that I'm old, I decided I should teach part-time. So now I'm, I'm a middle school art teacher. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> I think middle school is an unreached people group, okay? <laughs> it is my mission field. It is like so, I cannot believe how much fun I'm having. The other day I told the kids that you are God's masterpiece. And one kid said, yeah, Lily, what? She goes, did you just call me a massive beast? I'm telling you, it is so much. I, I was kind of like not sure of this middle school gig, right? And now I'm like in my groove. It's like, oh, I love middle schoolers. They break things. Yeah. <laughs> and they expect you to get mad, right? And it's like, oh, I got you. Oh, wow. That went three days on that flimsy easel. Nobody broke it. Today you did it. Let's just clean it up and move on. It's like crazy. It's a wonderful life. And the reason I tell you this, because, I mean, why should you be interested in what I'm doing, right? But the deal is this. God has made you for a very specific toil. My 96-year-old, Aunt Sabatida, she's Italian, that's her name. She told me, Joe, she was sitting in a chair, 96. Joe, we are born to suffer. And I'm like, What? Okay, have a nice day. But she was right. Her husband died an alcoholic at a very young age. She raised seven children on her own. We are born to toil. It's either going to be toil after what this world has to offer, or you are going to toil after the thing that God has given you. For me, it's middle school right now. And I have a high school class. And they are learning all about Jesus in this class. It is such a back door. I love the fact that God has led me in this new direction, part-time with more time to give myself to things of the ministry in our local community. I'm excited. So God is generous in all that he does, in all that he does. Now, if God is generous, then why do I still feel like I don't have enough? And every one of us can identify with that statement. It's a good Ecclesiastes 2.18. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun. I toiled in the spring to plant my yard, my garden. It was gorgeous. And then I toiled at art fairs sharing Jesus in the community surrounding Metro Detroit. And yesterday I walked in my garden, and after all my toil, there are weeds everywhere. I was mowing the grass and I'm cutting around all these evergreens and I'm going, what was I thinking? 
And then I realized, oh, yeah, 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 you planted them for privacy, new house next door, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, 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 I got it. But you see that what you do is just going to be undone unless you maintain it, maintain it. And what is the garden that we're to be tending anyhow? Is it my backyard or is the garden of people's hearts where we plant seed? So these questions are good for us to ponder this morning. And who knows whether he, oh yeah. And I leave it to another man who will come after me. Somebody else is going to get all your stuff. Right? That's why we shop at Salvation Army. We buy somebody else's stuff. And I'm just the right size for all those teenagers who all grow their clothes and they go to Salvation Army and I get them. All right? Hopefully they're not dead. Anyhow. Yet he will master all for which I toiled. And used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow. I'm, it sounds like he needs some antidepressant meds here, okay? And his work is vexation. Even in the might of his heart, he, in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Now I want to ask you a question. What if you took this mantle from God of toil. Because the world's a mess. And you know that because you're a mess. I'm a mess this morning. I don't feel good. But I'm like, amen, I don't feel good. Praise God, I don't feel good. The Bible says when I'm weak, then am I strong. It's either true or it's not true. And today it's got to be true. So my toil is this, and I am having a good time. <laughs> I hope you are too. Because God has given us a toil so that you can have fun in it. The virtuous woman, Proverbs 31, she works willingly with her hands. She's like knitting away. She's spinning thread. She's doing all this cool stuff. She fills her oil lamp, doesn't go out because she sees her stuff is good. Is your stuff good? Are you, is your toil, is your toil being empowered by the grace of God? In the thing he's called you to do. I pray it is. I pray it is. Amen. Theologian named Mr. Provan calls this section the confession of a workaholic. And in America today, workism has become a religion. You know, 90, what is it? 95% of the teens today surveyed said their number one priority is to get a job that they really like and enjoy. Their second, 81%, I think it is, said uh, that their desire, 81%, is to do some humanitarian good. 47%, their goal, top priority, is marriage. We are a culture that is obsessed with work. I don't like those figures. I don't like those numbers. I don't like this whole idea. 
because I have been, what do I say, somewhat conquered by that. Looking for identity in our work. Looking for a sense of self-worth by our accomplishments. Wrong. Right? Self-worth based on money. How much do you have? Don't tell me. I'm just, it's a, one of those kind of questions just floats around out there. All right? This portion of scripture points to the nemesis of death. Death is going to get you. Let's try to watch this video again. All right? Uh, actually, I was going to rag on Keith for messing up so poorly last time I spoke. But in essence, it was really my fault. So if he doesn't get it this time, it's his bad, oh. not mine. Oh, here we go. Yeah? Are you afraid of death? So this is our question. Yeah. Everybody death. has this. There's no way out of it. You're going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to happen. We all share what that thought. What difference does it make if it's tomorrow or 80 years? Much sooner in your case. Do you know how That's fast why I like middle time schools. Was? I was six, like yesterday. Me too. I'm going to die. You are going to die. <laughs> what else is there to be afraid of? I love that you can laugh when he's talking about death. Because we are here to live forever. Amen? And I was thinking, people don't die. They depart. Is that cool? It just hit me this week. We don't die. We depart. So collecting. Collecting is a problem, right? So uh, Jesus was surrounded by like a thousand people. And this one guy shouts out, hey, Jesus, tell my brother to share his inheritance. And Jesus says, uh, let me tell you a story. This guy had like a ton of stuff, ton of money, right? His crops were incredible. And the guy said, I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Your 401k is awesome. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool. This night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is. So is the one who lays up treasures for himself. And treasures for himself. And is not rich toward God. One of the richest people in the word of God was the widow who put in one coin she got it. It wasn't how much she put in, it's how much she was left with. Because she was giving her all. I think that's amazing. The world knows that we are covetous. The world knows that we try to find identity and possessions. So that $253.6 billion is spent every year in advertising. You can buy for only $5.5 million you can buy a 30-second commercial for the Super Bowl. Pretty amazing. That is 
wild. Materialism. Materialism is a temporary fix for the addiction of self-worth. I love that statement. God gave me that this morning. Materialism is a temporary fix for our addiction for purpose in life and for our identity. We, we resource the world to become something that we wish we were, right? Instead of resourcing God. What? We can't see God. But he says to us, he says, come unto me. Those who are heavy laden and burdened. He says, ask and receive. God is generous. Everybody say, God is generous. Yes, amen. And we want to focus on the fact that he is generous and his people are generous just like him. One of the biggest problems with billionaires who are self-made is that by the time their grandkids get the money, they squander all of it. They have no idea how to handle it. God has given us purpose in life. He's given us a purpose to gather the true riches. And why do we feel like we don't have everything that we need? I think it's sometimes we forget that our true need is our unity with Christ. Let's face it. How many of you have been in a prison with chains around your feet and you're singing? Right? Right? How many of you have been before a huge furnace that's full of flames and they're going to throw you in and you're like, you know, one of these things. I got this. My God, he'll save me. And if he doesn't, we're cool, right? And yet we're faced with this other enemy of materialism, acquiring stuff to be something. And God is saying, I am your provision. Our second big point here today is that God shares his spoils with his people. Oh my gosh. God shares his spoils with his people. This is amazing. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, 24. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat, drink, and find enjoyment in his toil. May God bless you with toil that is enjoyable. May you work hard to accomplish the thing that he put you here to do. Paul said, I labor. Being a Christian involves hard work in the spiritual realm, and maybe in the physical realm as well. This also, I say, is from the Lord. It's from the hand of God that we love what he's called us to do. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For uh, to the one who pleases God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after win. We want to toil. We want to give ourselves wholeheartedly to the thing that God has called us to do. You know, it is not a bad thing to be rich. We have rich people. We're all rich. We have people here who are richer than some people. Uh, spiritually, monetarily. Abraham, rich. Job, rich. 
Peter had a, a fleet of boats. And some commentaries point out that he was a very wealthy man. Joseph, rich. So how glorious is it to God when before the host of heaven, he could say, look at Woodside Algonac. We got some rich folks. They all are. And they don't care. They want to be rich toward God. And use their material, what, finances and stuff to build the only thing that matters, your spiritual treasures. And those treasures are in one another. No wonder Jesus said, love God, love one another. Love as I have loved. That's where the treasure is. Look to the person next to you and say, I see a treasure. Amen. You're seeing Jesus among us. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. In Genesis 1.29, it says, And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant, generous God, every plant yielding seed is on the face of the earth. <laughs> God gives them everything. Adam and Eve. You can have it all. Hang out with the animals. Talk to them. You have dominion. God has never changed his mind. When you read the New Testament, you see that God has given us dominion. Flee the devil, and he has to flee. Right? Resist the devil. He's got to flee. He says, I've given you all blessings in spiritual places. He says, I have come to live inside of you. It's amazing. So when we look at each other, we need to see Jesus. You know, I work with so many different people, and it's so counter-Christian when people complain and have an opinion and it's their opinion because we're Americans, we have opinions. And we don't stop and say, God, what is your opinion? How many of you appreciated Colton this morning? Is that your opinion? Ha! <laughs> or is that God's opinion? Yeah. He brought it. He brought it. So good. So good. Because I have people say, well, you know, I, 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 I like worship. It's more like quiet. I have people say, I like worship where we get to jump up and down. I'm like, yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, what do you think God likes? He just is glad if you're glad and you're expressing your love and worship and spirit and truth, we're good to go. It's wonderful, wonderful, absolutely. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14, 14 tells us this, uh, that it is the one who perfectly obeys God's commands what? The problem for every single one of us is that we're sinners and thus we displease God. The only one person in all of history, Jesus, perfectly followed God's design. And what happened was, you know the story, Jesus went to the grave. You know, he took all of our sin upon himself. Every wrong thing. And in my classroom, I have a garbage can. And I made a video. These two kids are hugging the garbage can, saying, this is my best friend. All of the art that I do that looks like garbage, you'll never see it. It's going in the garbage can. 
And Jesus won the victory. He took all your garbage. And he put it in that. It's not seen anymore. All that's left is a heart that is ready. A heart that is ready to take on the generosity of God. And when I think about this, I get so excited because the spoils of darkness, he defeated the enemy. And you and I are called to walk in victory. It is not good enough to declare Jesus as your Savior. It must be manifested in how we live every day. If we have God living in us, his generosity has been poured out. And now we walk in victory and the world needs to look at us and go, what is up with those strange people? They don't act like we do. They're smiling all the time. Why are they laughing during pandemics? Why are they saying, my God's got this? The world hasn't seen the church in its mature state as of yet. God's generosity and our travail, our toil, our toil should be this, to access God's generosity. You can do it on your own. You can live on some neatly organized theology. But I got I to share this with you. This is so incredibly cool. Listen to this. God's generous. Listen to what he says. Deuteronomy 28. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Woo! Do you like that? I love that. I just see me standing there and all these, and they just overcome me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm in it, right? I'm just blessed, right? He says, blessed shall you be in the city. Wow, that's a great place to be blessed. And in the country, okay. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of your body. And your ground's going to produce, you're going to have herbs, your cattle are going to multiply. Yeah, there's going to be all kinds of offspring with your flocks, your basket's going to be full. He goes on and on and on and on. Is that cool? It's a promise of God. But I left out part of verse 2, Deuteronomy chapter 2. Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And I've got the sense that the Holy Spirit talks to us every day. We might not be hearing, but he's making himself available. The Holy Spirit Wi-Fi, come on. He can live stream. He can download. He can update your operating system and give you the grace. He can live stream videos from heaven. Like Jesus said, I only do those things on earth that I see my Father doing in heaven. You can have a sense of that. And what I find in the church at large is that people think that being a Christian means you don't do wrong things. That's so lame. Being a Christian means you do great things because Jesus lives in you. What'd you say? Amen. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's like crazy. Because our God is generous and he's just waiting to pour out on you. Check this out. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord, your God, with joy and gladness of heart 
for the abundance of all things. What? Materialism. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies. Oh, man. So God says, you can obey me, but you can obey me without your whole heart. You can force yourself to not do the bad thing and to do the good thing, and God's not happy. What? I can be obedient and God's still not happy with me? Yes, because it's not with your whole heart. God has given us all a toil. He wants us to toil for that which will last absolutely forever. As we access God as the source of our true treasures, he will give us a permanent fix to our addiction for value and purpose in life. We must access God's provision. He said, ask and receive. He said, bless, I'll bless you with all spiritual blessings. He said, the power of the Holy Spirit is to come upon you and provide all that you have need of. This morning, let's take a minute. Have you drifted at all? Maybe you haven't. You know? I can raise my hand and say that I have not drifted. I have been tempted to drift. I'm in an art show. I'm sharing Jesus. Yeah. Where are the sales? And I'll get up to a certain number and I'll go, well, how cool would it be if I like, you know, another thousand to that? Wouldn't that be cool? <gasps> then I catch myself. Why are you here? To share Jesus, the true treasures. So I shift and I see what really matters. The paintings will all burn when the earth is renovated, but the truth shared out of the generosity of God and the overflow. Come on, we need to be a people that are full of overflow. We need to be, we need to be accessing the generosity of God so much so that we understand the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length of his love so that we begin to be filled with the fullness of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, filled with the fullness. This morning, is there anything in your heart that might have caught your attention and turned your eyes from the true riches. Just ask yourself that. Let's stand together. Let's have our wonderful Colton come back. And um, I want to pray. You know, Colton will lead us in a song. And, you know, think about that. Ah, God is so generous. He's given us dominion. He's given us the power to resist the devil. He's told us that the heathen will be our inheritance. He's given us these treasures that are amazing. Are we going to settle for something where moth and rust will corrupt? Are we going to settle for new toys, faster cars? Are we going to press past that and turn our hearts to the Lord? Because one day, just like my little middle schooler told us, we're going to die. 
And when we stand before God, what a glorious day that the words today could actually penetrate our hearts and turn our hearts to God. There's not a program that can build this church to overflowing, but there is a God who can, and he does it through people whose hearts are set on eternal treasures. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.